0: As these guys said, my name is Rach. I am part of the team here. Um, I oversee our youth ministry, which is super exciting. Um, I'm in the middle of preparing for Soul Survivor, which is like one of the highlights of my year. Genuinely, like actually, I look forward to it for myself, and also happen to take lots of teenagers too. Um, but and as these guys said, you guys gave so generously last week. Thank you so much. Like such a blessing. Um, oh, I can't tell you how grateful we are. for your giving last week towards helping our young people go for those who it it might be a struggle financially and make such a difference so thank you so we are Summer in the Psalms we are doing Summer in the Psalms we are not Summer in the Psalms Um, and this week we are looking at Psalm 27 so I'm going to read it to you before we dive in it's quite long so get yourself comfortable and close your eyes if it helps you to take it in or read it on the screen behind me or open your Bible and follow it But it's worth it, I promise. It's worth all the way through. So, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So, there was a lot in there. We are going to make a good start. We're not going to cover every single tiny detail. You can do some of that in your own time, but we are going to make a good start on this psalm. Um, So, this psalm is written by King David, and I clarify that because my husband is called Dave. And if I refer to Dave, my husband, it's not him who wrote the psalm. (laughs) It's King David who wrote the psalm. Um, So King David (laughs) sums up for us um, most of what he's going to cover... In verse 1, for those of you who did a science-ish degree, he basically writes as a nice little abstract before he writes the rest of his study. Um, And his abstract is, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Now, we're well-behaved students, and we're not just going to read the abstract and pretend we read the whole psalm. Uh, We are, in fact, going to study the whole thing. Um, But we are going to use this as our structure because he does jump about quite a lot within the psalm, so we're going to use it so we don't get lost. So David covers three truths about the nature of God, that he is our light, that he is our salvation, and that he is the stronghold of our life. And he concludes, as a result of these three truths, that we have no reason to fear anything or anyone. So we're going to unpack it. So when I'm talking about fears, I'm not talking about your answer to the icebreaker question, what is your biggest fear? Uh, Incidentally, mine is spiders. I am so scared of spiders that I make Dave, my husband, not King David, (laughs) pray every night before I go to sleep that there will be no spiders. And I honestly can't sleep in a room that's too dark because I hallucinate spiders lowering themselves from the ceiling towards my face. I am not joking. (laughs) Um, I told my sister-in-law this last week, and she said she does too, which made me feel much better about the whole situation. Um, But the psalm is not about the fear of spiders. they were surely David was scared of spiders, because any sensible person is. Um, It is addressing the kind of fears that dictate the decisions that we make. So the kind of fears that dictate the decisions we make, not the decision to not sleep in that room because of the spiders, the actual big decisions in our lives. Every big decision that we make is made out of a place of faith or a place of fear. And these are the fears that David is addressing in this psalm. So, for example, last week when you felt God nudging you to go and talk to that person at the bus stop, what were the fears that stopped you from doing it? Or the fears that you hopefully overcame to actually go and do it? When you were choosing which job or career to pursue, what fears were they that were playing a part in that decision? Or any other decision, any other big decision you've made recently, what fears were playing a part in that? Maybe it's a fear of what people think. I know that's a big one for me that I have to constantly try and get over. A fear of not being needed. A fear of losing someone. Fear of not having enough money. A fear of people knowing about your past a fear that you'll make the wrong choice, or that you'll let someone down. Maybe it's something totally different. Maybe you have never thought about this before. And that is fine if that is the case, because hopefully this evening will give you a chance to reflect on some of this. And it's really important that we do take time to reflect on this, because making our decisions out of faith or fear is the difference between making our decisions to do things God's way or not do things God's way. It's the difference between living in the fullness of all that God has for us or not. So we really need to think about this and address it. So David's overarching summary of this psalm in verse 1 is that if we understand the truth of who God is, we have nothing to fear. And that leaves us free to make our decisions out of faith. So first bit of truth that David draws out in this psalm is that the Lord is our light. So in this situation, David is referring to the fact that God is our guide. He's our light in the darkness that we follow. One of my biggest fears has always been missing out on what God has for my life. So I went to Soul Survivor as a teenager. It's amazing. Um, And by probably 13 or 14, I was totally sold on the fact I wanted to live my life whatever way God wanted me to live it. I wanted the adventure that God had for me. But I was petrified that I would miss it, that I would miss an important direction or I'd just make the wrong decision or go off down the wrong path and miss the opportunity to live out what he had for me. And this kind of sounds like a good thing to be afraid of, but it can be totally paralyzing and we can end up doing nothing at all because we're worried that we haven't actually heard what God is saying. I don't know if this is somewhere that you're in your life right now worried about, whether you're going to go down the right path that God is calling you into. But if you're a follower of Jesus, probably at some point in your past or your future, you're going to face this. Is this where God is calling me? What is he asking me to do next? What is it that he has for my life? And if we're not careful, we can end up never doing anything because we're not sure of what God is saying. He hasn't shouted loud enough yet. Um, David, King David, not my husband, um, had some pretty huge ups and downs in his life, if you read the rest of his story. But for the most part, he followed God's lead all the way through his life. So he has some really helpful pointers for us in this psalm on how do we follow God's lead? How do we have him as our guide so we don't need to worry about missing out on what he has for our life? So he uh, talks about this in sort of two halves And the first half is in verse 8, and it says, My heart says of you, Seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. My heart says of you, Seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. So David is saying the first half of God being our light is that we have to seek his face, we have to actively pursue him. If we are hoping that God will guide us and we're sitting and waiting for him to yell with a megaphone while we don't listen, we're probably going to miss what he has for us. Now, you may have come across people or heard stories of people for whom God did yell with a megaphone when they weren't listening and totally changed the direction of their lives. But for the most part, and probably for the most part even in their lives, we hear direction from God, we know that we're going in the right direction through relationship with him, through spending time with him, through seeking his face. So if you're in that place of wondering what's next, wondering where God is guiding you, what is he calling you into? Are you seeking his face? Are you spending time in his presence? Are you reading his word? Because that is the place to start. If we want God to guide us, we also have a responsibility in this. We need to seek his face. It is two-way, thankfully. God is alive, and he moves, and he speaks, and it's not all on us. Um, And verse 11, David says, Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. So as we seek his face, this needs to be our prayer. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. We're asking God to, as we open ourselves up to him, to speak, to direct. We're making ourselves available to be directed, to be changed, to be transformed, to be taught. We're opening our eyes and our ears to hear the directions and to see the directions that he has for us. Um, And we see this a lot in David's life. The Psalms, if you've not read a lot of the Psalms, I really encourage you to. They can seem a bit like kind of complicated poems that you can't quite decipher. But actually, they are a really intimate insight into David's relationship with God. It's almost like his journal. And you can see, at the beginning of lots of the Psalms, he starts with a question or something he's cross about or something he doesn't understand or a complaint. He does complain quite a lot in the Psalms. And as he works through this, as he spends time with God, as he seeks his face, you can begin to see this change and see how God begins to transform him and direct him. And you see this in this psalm as well. So this psalm isn't actually like a preach, where David is saying, these are three truths. Know them, and you don't have to fear. Um, This psalm is David processing his own fears and knowing these truths and being changed by God. And so... Um, the things he's telling us not to fear, he obviously is fearing. Um, let me read you this bit from verse 9, which says, Do not hide your face from me? Do not turn your servant away in anger? You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. He obviously starts this a bit worried that God actually might reject him and forsake him. He's like, please don't, please don't leave me. Um, and as he spends time with God, he realizes that God will receive him. And even at the end of that, he said, the Lord will receive me. And he concludes the psalm, having processed all of this with God, saying, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You can hear David like, receiving God's direction for his next, the next thing that's going on in his life. Like, God is saying, wait. Don't make any decisions out of fear. Don't make any sudden moves. Wait, I'm going to do something. Just wait. So we don't have to fear missing out on what God has for us. Because as we seek his face and spend time with him, him, he guides us. I want to briefly address the fact that this isn't actually what we want David to say in this psalm. If you're actually thinking this through, this is not really the answer we want. What we want David to say is, the Lord is my light. He flashes in Morse code with very clear instructions. And then I translate them and follow them. And so I don't need to fear that I'm going to make the wrong decision because I understand Morse code. (laughs) He doesn't say that, which is disappointing. Um, But it's not disappointing, I promise, because we have a relationship with God. God isn't our great uncle who sends us telegrams from afar with the next instruction, and then we don't hear from him again until there's another instruction. He is our dad. He spends time with us, and he transforms us. He tells us things bit by bit, and this is something I see loads in my own life, like maybe once or twice, and I'm not sure I could even pinpoint them. I've heard God clearly in one moment say, do this, and I've known what to do. But mostly, even when I feel like God has spoken really clearly, and I'm sure of what's next, it's been a process. And if I read back over my journals, I can see as I spend time with God, he begins to change my heart, and he begins to transform me, and he begins to give me directions just bit by bit. And by this point, I know exactly what I'm meant to be doing, but somewhere in here I'm like, oh, I feel like i got some direction, not really sure. Um, and as you look back, you can see how as we spend time with God, he's just told us what to do bit by bit and transformed us bit by bit. So this was our first truth. The other ones are slightly shorter. Um, That God is our light. He is our guide. So we don't need to fear missing out on what he has for us and making the wrong decisions. But we do have to do our half of the deal. We do have to seek his face, because for the most part, that is how we receive his direction. That is how he guides us. That is how he is our light. So next truth that David identifies for us is that the Lord is our salvation. David didn't know the half of it. David lived before Jesus. He had no idea that God was going to come and live and die for us and then rise from the dead and then go to heaven. That's a fairly big chunk of the story he's missing out when he's telling us that the Lord is our salvation. But it's really interesting. It makes it really interesting that he identifies salvation as a key truth that we need to know because what he's identifying is that salvation is a part of who God is. We are almost spoilt with the knowledge of how God saves us, of how this part of his character is enacted, because we miss that, that this is a part of who God is. Our God saves by nature. He saves us now from our mess and from our mistakes and our pain, and he saves us for eternity in heaven. And David speaks beautifully about this salvation. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So we don't just have one chance with God. No matter what your story is, no matter what has happened in your past, you have not blown it. Because salvation is a part of God's nature. It is ongoing. It was before Jesus, and it is after Jesus, and it is all of the way through It's part of who God is. We have no need to fear being rejected. We have no need to fear our past dictating our future. We have no need to fear making a mistake. We have no need to fear not being good enough because salvation is a part of his character. But more than that, we have no need to fear death because he saves us for eternity with him. Eternity in heaven. And for David, this would be a big deal and he describes this eternity that he's looking forward to. David will have actually probably faced death quite a lot as he went into battle. For most of us, we don't every day face death, but that will have been a real thing for him. So knowing this, knowing that God is our salvation, and he saves us for eternity in heaven, means that David could go into battle and not be totally petrified that this might be the one where he dies. This is countercultural for us. We don't we do fear death, and we don't really talk about it very much. We fear our own death. We fear the death of people we love. We don't spend much time thinking about what is beyond death. But the truth is death isn't the end. And that is, this is the key that David knows, that death isn't the end, that waiting on the other side of death is better than our current reality, although it is hard to believe that it could be better than sitting here. I know. Um, LAUGHTER But death, what is after death is better than our current reality, no matter how great that is. We are saved for eternity in heaven with God. And if we can get our heads around that, it totally changes our perspective on our current situation, on the situation of those around us. It frees us up to not fear our current situation and the situation of those we love. Because we have an eternal perspective like David has. So, final mind-blowing truth of the evening, if that wasn't enough, is that the Lord is the stronghold of our life. David says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. I love this one because it really, really relates to how God speaks to me about my relationship with him. So, a stronghold by definition, I did read the dictionary, I didn't, I googled it, but that's the same thing, I figure. Um, Is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. So normally, with having not done history since year nine, I assume that this is normally a castle. So something that you can defend, something in a battle that people can take shelter in and avoid being attacked and be safe because it's been fortified against attack, it is defended. And if you're in the stronghold, you can't be overcome because you're protected. So when David, identif- David identifies the fact that the Lord is our stronghold, he's not saying that church is our stronghold or that that safe spot by our bedroom window where we have quiet time is our stronghold or that the amazing festival that you're going to this summer sort is your stronghold. These are all good places and God is in all of them, but he is not only in all of them. When... Jesus ascended into heaven after he had died and been resurrected. He promised to send his spirit to dwell in us. We have God's spirit living in us. We have God living in us. Which means we have our stronghold with us all of the time, wherever we are. It is not location dependent. If it helps you to imagine this, if you're a visual person, it might not help you if you're not. Ignore me. But if it helps you... Your stronghold is not this big amazing castle that you can go into and hide and then come out when you need to fight. Your stronghold is more like an inflatable castle that you can carry around with you and you've got it with you all of the time. I don't know why it has handles but it always has handles when I imagine it and you can't be overcome because you have your stronghold with you all the time wherever you go. We do live in a spiritual battle and to Very briefly explain that if you've never heard anybody talk about this before. We believe in a God who is entirely good, but obviously there is not only good in the world. The Bible talks about spiritual forces of evil and that as a part of God's family, God's good family, we are every day in a battle against these spiritual forces of evil, which sounds a little scary, except for this truth, it is not scary because we carry our stronghold around with us. We can't be overcome. We are, um, I don't want to say cheating, because that feels like it's probably not correct, but we've already won. We are carrying our stronghold around with us. We can't be overcome in this spiritual battle that we're in. Um, And David knows this, obviously, in verses 2 and 3. He says, When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. They war break, break out against me, even then I will be confident. He is confident that he can't be overcome because he knows he has God living in him, and therefore he is carrying his stronghold around with him. So I mentioned at the beginning of this that I love this because it's how God speaks to me about my relationship with him. Um, so I wanted to just really quickly give you a couple of examples from my own life um, in case it helps you to apply it to yours. Um, so a while ago, I, as happens to us all sometimes, was totally exhausted. Just, like, emotionally out. (laughs) Totally, totally done. I had no vision, no enthusiasm. I felt like I had nothing left to give. And God gave me a picture of me in the battle. And it was like my ankles were being swiped out, and I kept falling over and trying to get back up, and then my ankles would be swiped out again, and I'd fall over and try and get back up. And I was getting tireder and tireder. And God just said, lie down. (laughs) Lie down and rest and recover And I will surround you and keep you safe. More recently, um, my nan passed away. And at her funeral, God gave me a picture of me knelt down in the middle of the battlefield, mourning the fact that she was no longer there fighting alongside me. She knew the Lord too. She now gets to be in heaven, which is better than sitting here listening to me. But I was mourning the fact that she was no longer there alongside me. And God said to me, are you ready to get up yet? And I said, no. <laughs> um, but what he said to that was, that's fine. Just let me know when you are. Um, and it was weeks later that I was reminded of this. And I came back to, came back to God and I said, I think I am ready now to get up. Um, and then just a few weeks ago, I was here in worship, um, praying about the fact that I am expecting a baby. I didn't just eat three helpings of lunch. I am pregnant. Um, and I was like, God, please give me some wisdom for how to be a parent. Um, And he basically gave me a picture of battle, again, and of me charging into a battle with a baby strapped to me. And he was like, you will not, this child will not learn how to be a part of this spiritual battle if you sit on the sidelines and try and protect it. It will learn by you charging into battle with it. Um, Now, if we don't carry our stronghold around with us, if this truth is not true, God has given me the worst advice ever. (laughs) Because lying down to rest in the middle of a battlefield or kneeling down to cry in the middle of a battlefield, or running in with a baby to a battlefield. All terrible ideas. <laughs> but when we carry our stronghold with us, when I lie down to rest because I'm exhausted, God is surrounding me on all sides. I can't be overcome. When I kneel down and cry, God is surrounding me on all sides because I, I, I can't be overcome. And when I run in with a baby, God will surround me on all sides and we will not be overcome. So, where are you in this battle right now, in life? Just take a second and picture for yourself, in your head, where am I right now? Am I totally exhausted? Do I just need to lie down? Am I kneeling down and crying? Am I charging in with all of the energy, ready to fight? Am I leading people? Am I following somebody? And now, in that place, Know that you are surrounded on all sides by God, that you carry your stronghold with you. You cannot be overcome. Does that change things? What difference does that make to your current situation? This is why David tells us not to fear, because wherever we are in that picture, the Lord is the stronghold of our lives. What is there to fear? We can't be overcome. So David has addressed these three truths in this psalm, that the Lord is our light, he guides us, the Lord is our salvation, he saves us now, and he saves us for eternity with him, and the Lord is our stronghold. We can't be overcome. And he's concluded for us, helpfully, that if we get all of this truth, and there's so much truth, go and read more of the psalm, because I've, like, I have scratched the surface, but there's much more digging to be done. If we get it, there is nothing and no one to fear. And once we understand that we have nothing and no one to fear, we are free to live out of faith, to make our decisions out of faith, not out of fear. So going back to the very beginning, what are those fears that are dictating the decisions that you make or even just playing a part in the decisions that you make? And which of these truths do you need to hold on to, to address these fears? The Lord is your light, he is your salvation, and he is your stronghold. What truths do you need to hold on to so that you can be free of these fears and you can live your life and make your decisions from a place of faith? So David reflects on all of this for himself, and this is his conclusion, so it should be ours too. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Why don't we stand?